0: Hi everyone and welcome to Spark Leadership. I'm Wendy Tsepiso Maledu, a senior behavioral scientist at CoachUp and the host of this show. Good communication is the core of organizational success and a healthy work culture. Leaders, managers, coaches, and CHROs around the world constantly strive to improve communication in the workplace. Well, it turns out that a few simple words can make all the difference. In her book, Coaching A to Z, the extraordinary use of ordinary words, communication scientist, educator, and my guest today, Dr. and Moon offers a set of powerful words or phrases to help curate powerful conversations and move others towards greater purpose and accomplishment. Her academic and professional research in coaching dialogues and pedagogy from the University of Toronto led to development of a simple coaching model, the Dialogic Orientation Quadrant. The DOQ has transformed the way people coach and learn coaching worldwide. I'm delighted to speak with Dr. Moon today about her book, Coaching A to Z, and about the power of words. A warm, warm welcome to the show. Hey, son. Oh, hello. Thank you. Two outstanding features of the show, hisan is that we start with one interesting fun fact about yourself. And at the end of the show, we share some predictions based on the topic that we'll be sharing today. So do you mind sharing with our listeners one interesting fun fact about yourself that is not on your bio?
1: You know, when did that made me lose my sleep because I was thinking, <laughs> <laughs> "What is this thing?" And you know what I did? I researched. I googled. What are some? What do people do when people ask that question? And you know, I think that's something that's actually fun. That I'm a researcher and I research for fun. <laughs> so, well, other than being a researcher, I love really nice pens, especially I use fountain pen, especially when I write. So that book that you're talking about, actually half of it is written on pen and paper using a fountain pen with a fine nib. So, hey, there you go.
0: In this age, sitting down and writing a book with a pen. Ah. (laughs) Yes, I did. That is indeed a fun fact. First of all, let me say congratulations on the release of your new book, uh, which is what we'll be deep diving into today. So congratulations and well done to you for this gift to the world. So maybe before we start looking into the book, I'm just intrigued. I mean, when I saw your title, Communication Scientist, I was like, wow, what led you to the path of studying communication? Oh, you know, communication
1: actually happened as I was studying coaching, and coaching also happened when I was actually studying adult education, and in a way, communication actually is becoming uh, pretty important in everything that we do. But if you think about it, it's not a new field. People, I think, as you know, human beings, we actually started out communicating, and I think because we communicated, we exist <laughs> to this day, and I think. What really led me to communication is a lot of times when I go into organizations to work with them, when I actually go into trainings and so on, they always ask me a topic uh, and the topic is something to do with how do we actually better communicate within our teams with each other? How do we communicate through conflict? How do we communicate with somebody that they're doing well or not well? And really in organizations or families, you know, when it comes down to what's really important was how to communicate better. (laughs) So I got so intrigued about that because people leave their jobs because of poor communication because communication leads to interactions. Interactions leads to culture. And I think a lot of people actually leave culture, not just their jobs. So I got so intrigued to see, how do we do this thing better? So that's what led me to communication studies.
0: So let's go to the title of the book. I love it so much. I found it very fascinating. Coaching A to Z, the extraordinary use of ordinary words. What inspired the title of the book?
1: This book came about uh, when I was f- teaching in class. Somebody asked me a question. What do you do when somebody, just, if somebody keeps talking about like something negative in their life and they're not ready to move or something like that? And I said, well, it's our assumption that you think they're not ready to move. I mean, the fact that they're sitting here, maybe they are ready to move. But then also my question was, well, when somebody keeps talking about what they don't want, maybe then let's simply invite them to talk about what they want instead. And that one word, instead, completely changed the direction of the conversation afterwards. (laughs) So then we thought, isn't that so hilarious? Those are just... How we use a word can actually make that kind of change. And I realized good coaches, great coaches, usually they don't start out asking yet another question. They actually start by listening. So this book does two things. I wanted to actually introduce a couple of things. One is how do we listen better? And then how do we actually evoke better? And by evoking, you know, I'm introducing very simple words like instead. Or when clients say, well, I don't know. A lot of teenagers say that, eh, Wendy? I don't know if you actually have access to teenagers. <laughs>
0: I have like, one. I have a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: So anything that you ask, they're like, oh. I don't know. And it's not even a full sentence, I don't know. It's like, oh.
0: <laughs> so I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you just pressed an, a parenting trigger there. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I have two nephews who it's like, oh, whatever. So when they say that, it's so easy to just get triggered and go into like, what do you mean you don't know? But then, you know, I tried something with my nephews and it was so, okay, so you don't know yet. All right. So do you want to learn that? So you don't know that yet. Now the word yet is such a powerful word because when clients come to us and they say, I don't know, then we actually take on the pressure of let's, let me rephrase the question, <laughs> but, Instead of doing that, why can't we just take it as I don't know yet and just, you know, give it some time because they're going to discover. You are going to discover together. So those are some simple words that I want to just put it out there so that, you know, these can be so ordinary in every, every interactions that people have.
0: How amazing is that? That is so (laughs) profound. Because the word instead, we use it every day. I mean, it's literally an ordinary word. (laughs) But you've just brought so much life and light and insight to it that even for me, I feel like I'm shifting my own perspective with just how you use the word. So this (laughs) is super cool because I think you're just lifting and shifting conversations. Lifting and shifting. I love that expression. Did I say something? deep? (laughs) Yes, you you did. Lifting and shifting. That's so brilliant. I now confirm that you're a communication specialist. (laughs) So uh, let's go back a bit deeper into this alphabet. You've kind of just given us you know, instead, you've given us yet, right? I mean the book has every letter of the alphabet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what was the most difficult or challenging alphabet to write about? (laughs) Oh dear, especially in English,
1: choosing what it would be on a technical level, on a linguistic level, was how do you make an ordinary word out of an X? So that was actually a little bit tricky. And I actually landed on something, uh, but that was not the hardest one to write. So X actually in the book, is it's actually introduced as you know, sort of scaling question and you ask yourself, where are you today on a a scale of one to 10? And you answer that and I will take it as, so, okay, that's X on a scale. So I actually put X as X on a scale, which is slightly a trick that I played on that letter. And I think for me, the most challenging in a way that was very personal, it was challenging that I actually had to put down writing altogether for two weeks at a time. I was in the middle of writing that chapter, left it. I had to go and do something completely different, forget about it. And this is the chapter that actually made me almost give up writing this book. Um, And that chapter is, suppose. And it's because of the story that's in there. When I was writing about uh, my memory, with my dad, cause he passed in the middle of actually writing this book. So this book started out as a very lighthearted sort of business book. And then losing my dad in the middle of it, it turned into actually um, talking about my memory of, of my father my mom, my family and so on. Cause my dad is the one who actually gave me this power of language. He was a storyteller. And his stories actually come up a lot in, in the book. And this particular chapter, I suppose, was so difficult because it was very, very close to what was happening at the time. Probably the most recent ex- uh, experiences of going through that you know, cancer with him. So I think that was so emotional and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. The stories were not ready. So, I mean, that chapter really was sort of minefield of memories.
0: Let me start by saying so sorry to hear about about your loss. Thank you, and thank you so much for for being vulnerable and sharing that with us. I wanted to go back a bit. When you spoke about the X scaling, because we've used it as a measure, not necessarily looking into growth. And you share a story of when you were renovating the house and you found different <laughs> scales. Can you share that a bit? Because I think it will bring a different perspective, especially when it comes to performance management, performance measures, KPIs. Oh, dear. And, and, and a lot of these <laughs> things of measurements within organizations. Please share a bit about that story before we move forward.
1: Oh, when did that actually happen to me? I would say my favorite story in the book my dad and I, we were renovating the house and uh, we, we were just renovating the bathroom that was just covered in 1960s, 70s hippie. We had this butterfly all over the wallpaper and it was crazy. And when we took down that mirror, on the back of the mirror, it said made in West Germany. So it's like pretty dated. And as we're just pinning off those wallpapers and taking off the stuff, you know, fixtures off the wall, we started to see these markings on the wall. And we're like, there's a line. It's like, oh, maybe they were just measuring the wall. But then there's a little name beside it. And it was like, Terry, and there's a date on it. And then as we're peeling off the wallpaper, sort of, you know, downwards, we see another line, another line. And then my dad realized, oh my goodness, this is growth chart. So obviously they had kids in the house and they were actually measuring their height. So I just remember it so vividly. I cry each time I think of that. I I remember that my dad just took off his gloves and he just knelt down right beside and he's just really stroking this wall. It's like, oh, it's a growth chart. And that's when I learned, wait a second, when we actually do the scaling measure thing, this is exactly how we should be using it as a growth chart. I mean, you don't actually tell your kid well, you are at this height, and by next year, KPI, you, you better be at this height. That would be a, a, a grossly wrong use of a growth chart. <laughs> but for some reason, we do that at work. We're like, okay, here's a scale. We, we really should be hitting these marks. But what if we use that scale as a growth chart and say, hey, here's, here's how much you have grown since last time we measured And here's how much you have grown over the years and celebrate. Hey, remember that time you were here and now you're here. Remember the time. And can we take a pause and remember the time that they grew and really have a conversation as a manager and staff members. They sit down and they just talk about, yeah, so how did you do that? How did you grow? What helped you to grow? That is going to be a completely different interaction that is now accumulating and now That is becoming a new culture at work. Celebrating growth, rather than now you have to grow. (laughs) Thank you for asking about that chapter. That's my favorite chapter.
0: Celebrating growth. That for me is a shift of culture. Simply looking at scaling in a different way and using the conversation to celebrate growth. That is beautiful. I wanted to continue discussing the book, Coaching A to Z. And so I asked Kei-san, what for her is the overarching theme of the book?
1: The theme throughout the book is simply inviting you to curate better stories. So curating, I think, in the tradition of talk therapy or in the tradition of uh, even coaching, we somehow have this habit that we inherit it from somewhere and we say, well, let the client narrate their story. Now there's a big difference between curating and narrating. So curating, narrating, you know, somebody is, you are getting the client to narrate is one thing, but how do we get our clients to curate better stories or prefer stories of their purpose, their possibilities, and also their progress, existing progress, not the progress they have to make. So I think... Throughout the book, these letters are introduced so that you can actually curate. And those curation happens in those micro moments, right? You're, you're in the middle of a conversation, and then the other person is in the middle of sentence. You're simply just inserting those words, and you say, wow, instead of saying, you're almost there, versus, wow, how did you get here already? Now, these are really small inserts that are so ordinary, but that will actually curate the next narrative that comes out and this idea of curating or the word curate is such an interesting word because that has the word cure or cura at its heart and cura means to heal or to cure or to care and when you think about this idea of cura also we have another word actually in in coaching field that we we just use all the time and that word is curiosity so these words share that same root word of cura and, you know, sometimes it's interesting because sometimes your curiosity may not be necessarily curing, but you come from caring place, sure, but then sometimes our curiosity actually curates stories of fear, stories of dread, stories of regrets. And what we do in conversation, we actually play a pretty big role. And, you know, it's contrary to some popular belief that, you know, our job is to really just be there, witness, What do they say? The clients have all the answers within them. These are dangerous beliefs, because we are not just sitting there as passive participants. Our job is to co-curate their story. And it it actually happens almost every sentence. And that process is what I call interfluence. You influence each other. In that interaction, you influence what they're going to say next. And based on what they say, you then decide how you're going to respond. And those are interfluencing interactions that we actually have with our clients all the time. Right? So I guess the theme of this entire book is how do we create together with our clients so that they actually get to tell their preferred story, whether it's their future or whether it's their past. Because even your past is malleable, eh?
0: You are just hitting key points. I have my coach hat on, coachy hat on, all the hats on. And it's light bulb after light bulb as you're having this conversation. For me, one of the things that you just said so profoundly, so the difference between curating and narrating and the marriage between curiosity and caring, right? Because we can be curious without caring. I never thought of that. But just bringing the two together to say, how do you care and become curious at the same time? So, son, there's organizations that are listening at the moment. At the beginning, you spoke about how people leave cultures of the organizations. You spoke about people leave because the communication wasn't good. And a CHRO, a manager, a leader, a coach might be sitting and say, help, how do I have better conversations? Give me practical tools to start having better conversations that will shift the culture of my organization, of my coaching.
1: So first area is when people talk about what they want in the future. Now, if you're sitting down with somebody and they actually talk about this is what I want to see in the future. And sometimes that comes out actually in the form of complaining. But, you know, we actually end up just hearing complaining because we think they're complaining. (laughs) So we see them as a complainer. We hear that as complaints. And then we end up hearing complaining. And what happens is when people are telling you what they don't like, what they don't want, they're also telling you what they want instead so when you hear people talk about what they want in the future, how do we actually expand it? So that's one thing that you can do. Second thing is when people talk about especially in performance conversations, it's a sort of toggle between what went well and what didn't go well. Now think about how you actually message them. We are taught somehow, oh sandwich, make a sandwich. And you know, start with a good, deliver the bad, and end with the good. It just doesn't work. We are not fragmented like that. We do remember all of them. (laughs) So when you're having that conversation, especially in performance conversations, highlight what they have done, even out of their, let's say, slump. They were really struggling. And often our curiosity goes to, what happened? Whose fault is it? You know, what caused that struggle? And how severe was it? How long did it last? And all that stuff is our natural curiosity. But instead of doing that, why can't we just ask about, well, so how did you get out of that? So, what helped you cope with it? How did you manage to cope with it? So, the way that we actually handle their uh, trouble past is really not about the trouble itself, but how that person coped with it, how they managed to still stay. Why did you not leave? Why did you not quit? So that's a second area when people are talking about difficult times. I mean this this past couple of years it's been difficult. And now when we come together and can we actually have, you know, ask each other how have you coped? What have really helped? How did what kind of support did you have? Now you're going to have a completely different conversation, right? And then another area which is very interesting, especially in the business world and this is the third maybe tip, practical tip is When your conversation happens to be happening in this area that we call dreaded future, people talk about what they don't want to see in the future is dreaded future. And in in the consulting world, we call it a risk management. And we do all this, you know, risk mitigation strategies and so on and so forth. But pretty much risk management is when people talk about something that they don't want to see happen. That's their dreaded future. Now, how do you respond to that? You can actually say, oh, I know, how dreadful. (laughs) Or how would you, like, as you say, Wendy, lift and shift this conversation when somebody's in the dreaded future without actually, you know, sounding like I am dismissing it. How do we honor their dreadful future yet lift and shift the conversation so that they are seeing some hope? How do we curate hope? You know, the reason why that chapter, suppose, was so difficult for me is because I had to suppose in the middle of now hearing uh, that my dad only has, uh, you know, only limited time here and all this truly dreaded situation, how do we still curate hope? And how do we stay there while honoring their dreaded future, but still somehow activate that? resources, and hope. So in your organization, a lot of times, people do talk about dread dreaded future. Then invite them to talk about, well, I'm sure you thought a lot about this. And what's becoming clearer as a maybe way to move together, as a way to maybe even prevent it, because you have been thinking about this for a long time, longer than I have. So you have some ideas about it. You must have some ideas. And how can I support you? This is a different kind of conversation, right? So those are some ideas that I, I actually have. Listen to what people say that they want. And how do we amplify that and taking that supportive position? Those are some practical listening,
0: I guess, bits. <laughs> I shall not add, subtract, divide. That is profoundly said. Thank you for those practical tools. On that note, as you're speaking about hope, as we land this conversation, the last question really that leads to our prediction is, what do you hope this book will achieve as people pick it up for organizations, for individuals? And also on that note, share any predictions of the future of communication and coaching from your side. Oh, wow. Wow. Small question, eh? (laughs) Wendy, small question. Uh,
1: My sincere hope uh, is this this book was written as a gift of conversation. And gift is supposed to be shared. I really hope that you share this book, um, give your book to somebody else, or tell somebody about a story that you read. Or maybe... Use those words that you picked up from the book with somebody else. That truly is a gift. And this is a gift that I was given from my parents uh, and my forefathers and foremothers. And I think, how do we actually continue this gift onto our next generations? So that's what I would really love to see actually this book does. You know, it was so funny when my publisher actually sent the first copies uh, of, of the book. And we were not expecting it that early, but publishers sent us some, like three weeks early. So we saw this unlabeled boxes in front, of, um, in front of my house. And my mom and I, we went for a walk we just walked in to this unnamed box. And we're like, what is this? So I opened it as my mom is watching and we realized, oh my goodness, mom, it's, it's a book. And then I took out the first book. It's like, oh my goodness, look at this. That was my first time holding the book in my hand and my mom took it out of my hand and she put her other hand on top of my book and she prayed. And her prayer for the book was, let this book go out there and bear much fruit. And that prayer is my hope, my exact hope for every single book that people are holding in their hand, that that will go into your your life world of schools, your workplaces, your home places, so that your next conversation with people who matter to you can change. That's my hope for you. And for me, I think the field of coaching and communication, I think you really need to bring back that rigor of looking at or even redefining what counts as evidence. It's been outcomes heavily. But what actually counts as evidence in coaching and communication, that's going to be our new journey and the journey of efficacy based on process study, that's my passion. Thank you for asking about them, Wendy. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for this beautiful, great conversation. You're a beautiful storyteller. I could listen to you tell stories all day. Thank you so much. (laughs) This has been so precious. And I'm just reminded of an African proverb that says, a man without culture is like a zebra without stripes. As we end on the alphabet Z, I think today you've added some stripes to my culture through this conversation. Thank you, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation.
1: Thank you so much for that imagery. Thank you so much.
0: This conversation has been deeply profound, insightful and thought-provoking. It's amazing how ordinary mundane words can shift and lift conversations. My parting thoughts are, there's a difference between curating and narrating. Curation happens in micro-moments. How can we curate hope in our daily interactions with others? As an African proverb says, a little hope each day can fill the rivers to overflowing. Where there is hope, there is life. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you've heard and want to explore more, head on over to coachhub.com and learn how we democratize coaching across all career levels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other streaming platform, please give us a rating and leave a comment. From everyone at Coach Hub Studios, have a wonderful day. Happiness.